This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We'll See You in Hell, now on the HeadGum Podcast Network. My name is Patrick Walsh, and this week we will be discussing Stephen King's It, the uh, 1990, I believe, CBS miniseries. We'll also be discussing the trailer for the new version of It that is coming to a theater near you soon, this summer, I believe. Um, I guess... Uh, Without further ado, let's uh, let's get on with the show. And and while we're at it, I, I mean, it's a crazy thought, but perhaps we could also get on with the Joe. It gets it gets more and more enthusiastic every week. It goes up. I say the kids hit his ceiling. Yeah, and then the next week you come in, you say I got more to give, and it's amazing. My my goal is on the uh, the series finale when you and I are not speaking and recording it in separate soundproof booths <laughs> in different states. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that I I get so high with it that I shatter a glass. Maybe even the the soundproof booth that I'm in shatters around me like Emilio Estevez in the Breakfast Club. Here's what I this is the scene I'd like to set. All right, I'm I'm with you through most of that scenario. All the way up to the separate states, separate booths thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're not speaking. You are sitting there going, I just can't wait to be done with this. Yeah. You get to the on with the Joe and you go, and now on with the, you stop, <laughs> you try it three times, you can't get it out. You go, I can't say it. I can't do this. I love you too much. Oh. We have to keep going. And then, oh. and then that's the, the show keeps going after that. We keep going until... Like sometime around like 2055, I go, and now on with the show and on with the, and my heart stops and I die. And within about five minutes, not like with old couples where it happens a couple weeks later, within about five minutes, you two are dead and it just records our last gasps. And that's our final podcast. Well, it records forever. Nobody's there to hit stop. That's true. And then goes. in a in a shocking twist, our obituary says the creators of We'll See You in Hell wind up in heaven. <laughs> That's what our we, obituary says. We hope. And the, the, the picture is of you and I sprawled across your floor, which is covered with your dog's unattended shit. Yeah, our con is still alive in 2055 (laughs) and our fingertips are touching like we reached for each other at the last minute okay both microphones on the floor blasting feedback a large bottle of tequila just spilling and spilling (laughs) uh Uh, for some reason naked so like everyone thinks that we've been fucking like but actually your dog just tugged our slacks down trying to wake us up i like that i like that the uh We've got a lot to discuss. We've got a lot to catch up on. Uh, lots happened in the last week. I just want to squeeze a quick joke in yeah. that I think you'd appreciate. Please. As you know, I, I, I co-host a monthly live show called Can I Kick It here in L.A. with Al Jackson and Tone Bell. I do. And we watch blocks of hip-hop and R&B videos. 
and do like a sort of Beavis and Butthead style thing with them. But it's a celebration of hip hop culture. But last night's theme was the month of April. So we did April showers. Yeah. Was one of the blocks. And it was all songs about rain. So we did Candy Rain. We did uh, The Rain by Missy Elliott. I know. was hoping. Yeah, that was my first choice. The last one, you got to do it. We did Blame It on the Rain. Sure. And, uh, and I said, I hope the guy that killed himself... If I were him, my suicide note would have said, if any of you are wondering why I did this, long, and I took a long pause, and I went, blame it on the rain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big laugh. Pat, I felt like it was your kind of bit. It was. I'm sure his family would appreciate uh, that joke as well. Well, I felt bad for inviting them down uh, last <laughs> yeah. night. And yeah, that was, that was a bit much. Then making that joke. Uh, things are going well with your pilot. I don't know how much you can talk about or not talk about, so... Say whatever you feel comfortable saying about. I well, let's let's hold off till it's shot, uh, which will be on April twelfth, and um, I guess I I could say that I can't promise everybody, but if you want to reach out on the Facebook page or our Twitter, and you're in Los Angeles, I can probably get you into the pilot. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many spots we're gonna have, but um, it's going really well, and I think in terms of specifics, let's discuss it after that date on the twelfth, but. Had the first table read yesterday. It was great. Things are moving great. I'm a lot more, uh, you know, I, I'm still not completely out of the woods. It's a miserable experience. I don't recommend it. <laughs> but the rewards could be great. So it, it's been, it's getting into a nice, fun groove. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Um, there, are, there are many surprises that await uh, in, in terms of what's going on with the pilot. I'll say that. But I, I don't want to discuss it till, you know, well, till I, I, I know for sure that I can. That sounds exciting. All yeah. right, very nice. Um, this is my new thing. I bought a uh, Galaga arcade machine. Now, see, I misunderstood. I thought you had bought the Gallagher machine where you smash watermelons like Donkey Kong. It is that game. Oh, okay, good. They just didn't have any more Gallagher casings to <laughs> right. put it in. And then have you played Gallagher 2? Yeah, it's better than <laughs> the first one. Do you know the story of Gallagher 2? I know it well. I mean, just just very briefly, uh, you know Gallagher, the the comedian whose whole bit was was shattering watermelons. Uh, now he's a little more known for being very racist. But he had a brother who looked like him, and he thought, "Hey, I can double my money if well, I." No, no, the brother went to him and said, "Okay, yeah, yeah, can I do your show as Gallagher too?" Because the brother needed cash, I guess. Right. Gallagher's so- only stipulation was, "Yeah, as long as you let him know it's not me." Right. So when you're touring. <laughs> You know, you you're, so like you're, you can play St. Louis or you can play like Columbia. You know, like St. Louis is the big market. Columbia is like a small, smaller college town in Missouri, for example. You know, every every state's got big cities, small cities. I don't think I'm telling you any news there. Um, Gallagher, too, was like, I'll play the smaller cities. I'll put right. on the on the poster Gallagher in big letters, two in small letters. Nobody will know the fucking difference. We're both just guys hitting watermelons. So. Eventually, uh, can you can, maybe you know more specifics from there? Because all I know this is when it became Spanish. That that I'll, part I don't know. All uh, I okay, knew, the only you, thing I know is take me up till there. Because the I'll only thing in. I know is Gallagher's only role was you can't make people think it's me, and yeah. immediately the brother broke that rule. Yeah. So that so then he got pissed and he sued his own brother. Right. And uh, and then after that, I don't know what happens. Well, the Spanish speaking part was something I just learned about, and that that is that. Gallagher started, 
playing Spanish markets to like make even more money. Like he just was like, I got to really get as much money out of this as I can wisely because the market for watermelon shattering is a is a, is a pretty yeah. limited one. Yeah, he learned how to do his act in Spanish, but he learned it phonetically. He didn't learn Spanish. He just was like, here's what I say in my act. I'll have somebody translate it for me and record it and just do it phonetically. Gallagher one or two did this one, I believe, which is strange because all of his most racist jokes are about Spanish speaking. cultures. That's correct. That's correct. I learned about all this on uh, I you know, this has I, I I'll, I'll plug it. It's not an ad. Uh, we are starting to do ads. We'll always tell you what is an ad and what isn't. But uh, I learned about it on the Gilbert Gottfried podcast. And I'm not a big podcast guy, but I heard that. Um, there was a great one with the writers of uh, many films, Ed Wood. They also wrote Problem Child with Gilbert Gottfried, Scott Alexander, and Larry Karaszewski. Mm-hmm. And um, they they bring on kind of fringe guys, writers. They had on Tom Sharpling, which I love. But Gilbert Gottfried, we all know he's funny, but like, my Christ, is he funny on this show? He's a hilarious human being, but particularly in conversation. Oh, yeah. So that's why this podcast is such a... I didn't even know it existed, but... They talked for like 20 minutes about the making of Problem Child. And I, I mean, I was dying. And they went into the, the the guys that did Ed Wood. They love movies about fringe people. They did the people versus Ed Wood. They did the one about the bit, you know, the big people eyes versus Ed. I'm sorry, Wood. the people versus Larry Flint. Oh, OK. They did the uh, the one big eyes about the lady and the and her husband who made the paintings with the big eyes that Tim Burton did. They did Mars Attacks. They do a lots of lots of great stuff. But they wanted to do one about Gallagher and Gallagher too. And they were like, "You've gone too far. You've gone too niche. <laughs> Nobody wants to see this movie. I want to see the movie. I would see that in a heartbeat." But they they were talking about their research on it and all these things they found out, and it was just fascinating. But uh, I uh, I ended one of my half hour specials. I have two Gallagher stories. The yeah. first one is I ended one of my half hour specials with a joke about Gallagher. Uh, I got a after it aired. Uh, I got a message the next day on Facebook, long hateful letter from <laughs> somebody. You know, I was with you till the end. Wow, who the fuck do you think you are to take a shot at a legend like that? You're nobody. And it wasn't Gallagher. Well, right? that I wrote back. Is this Gallagher? <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. and then, then the guy responded like. Touche, you got me. That was funny. He actually kind of like, okay, all right. which was fine. Yeah. But then um, this is my favorite Gallagher related story. I used to tour with Patton Oswalt. Yeah. And we were doing a show. I can't remember where we were, but it was a theater somewhere. And the guy who was like driving us from the hotel to the venue was telling us Patton was like, so who else has been through here recently? And the guy's like, well, we just had Gallagher. <laughs> and Patton's like, what was that like? And uh, and because uh, it because it was before all the Mark Marin interview shit came out, where yeah. he wa- where Marin was kind of like you're kind of racist now and stuff, so nobody knew where he was. Right. And the guy goes, uh, he came out. He started talking about uh, astrophysics, okay. and then demeaning the audience for being stupid because they didn't understand what he was talking about. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, you know, the craziest part of the whole thing was. You know, he asked me uh, in his rider, it said he needed a table, four foot by three foot or whatever. Uh-huh. He's like, so I got out. I went out. I'm thinking he needs something to put his water on or whatever. I go buy this beautiful antique table. I bring it in. Gallagher takes one look at it. He's like, I can't use this. This is for the smashing the watermelons. 
He's like, I can't. This thing's going to break. I need like a, a sturdy table. Right. And the guy's like, so it's crazy. I'm running around an hour till showtime. I got to build a damn table out of two by fours so Gallagher can smash watermelons. <laughs> and there's the longest pause in the history of man, like the longest awkward silence I've ever been a part of. And then finally, Patton just goes, Gallagher needed a table in his contract. Yeah. And you didn't know it was for smashing watermelons. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that checks out. I got uh, I gotta wonder. Surely Gallagher now he goes out to play the club and he hits the watermelon and the crowd is just kind of like silent. Right? He's, re- he's retired now. They can't still be cheering this. Are people that? It's stupid? all they want. It's the only uh, part they want. Did you ever see the video where he has the heart attack while he's doing it? He had an actual heart attack. Yeah, it's on YouTube. There's a there's like an iPhone video of him go picking the hammer up and then like having collapsing from a heart attack. Well, fuck, I'll fund this Ed Wood guys movie. <laughs> I want to see this movie. <laughs> I mean, they, everything I've heard sounds like this This is this makes an amazing film, and I want to see it. It's a wild ride. Uh, so who would play Gallagher in, in the film version? I bet it would. You know what? I bet it would be Johnny Depp again. That seems like something he would do. Look, these guys do a lot of Tim Burton work. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Depp does a lot of Tim Burton work. I'd like to see a dark version with like a Christopher Waltz. Yeah. Uh, or maybe a Morgan Freeman. Just a real <laughs> strange, strange yeah. take on it. Sure. Maybe, a, a, maybe a, a, what's his face? Um, the last King of Scotland guy. He'd be a fun, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker would be a fun. How much, Gallagher. Is Gallagher a millionaire? I think he's broke now. Oh, good. Okay. I was at the improv one night and he was there, the Melrose one in Hollywood and he Suspenders? was Suspenders? Uh I can't remember. All right. But he looked like he just didn't want to fucking talk to anybody and Yeah. It was kind of a bummer. I was like I d- deep in my heart, this was this was recently. Or not recently, but like right before he retired like a year ago. Deep in my heart I was hoping like I was going to meet him and and it was all going to be like, oh, he's actually a good guy. And this has all been a big misunderstanding. And yeah, I didn't meet him. And from what I could see, he seemed kind of like a dick. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it just was kind yeah. of a bummer, man. Anyway, right. uh, Listen, uh, do you have any movies for the uh, roundup? You know, I I've been I've been busy again, and I've seen absolutely nothing. I haven't seen a single a single piece of entertainment. Uh, I, I like I like this Gilbert Gottfried podcast. That's that's all I really got. Uh, I have two things uh, that I saw. All right, I don't have my damn phone in front of me here. Hold on, I got to get my phone because I keep a list. Can you hold down the fort for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. Um, how are you guys? It's funny. Um, I always think when Joe walks away that, about that classic scene in Wayne's World when Mike when Wayne leaves Garth to like carry it for a minute and he goes into a complete spiral. Uh, I'm not feeling that now, but that, that scene is so funny to me, as is everything in Wayne's World and Wayne's World, too. Um. What do I got, folks? My cat puked in my bed. Um, that was a first. Hopefully that comes out of the sheets. I know you're concerned. It's going to all come out in the wash, as they say, Walsh. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was a, you know, to tie it into horror, it was an exorcist-style amount 
color and consistency of puke. That's disgusting. I know, and I, I don't really know what happened. I, I, I look at him, and I'm like, you know, a couple times a day, we put out a few little pieces of, of kibble. What, what's happening? Well, maybe it just ate some grass outside or something. It is never in contact with grass. That's never happened. Maybe it ate a piece, a leaf off a plant in the house or something. They All do right. that, you know? All right. Con here will get a little too grass hungry outside, and sometimes he pukes it up. Okay. They, they, they like grass for some reason. All right. Uh, okay, the movies I've seen. Uh, two. Uh, well, three, actually. I saw the movie Microwave Massacre, which is an exploitation movie from the 80s, starring the comedian that voiced Frosty the Snowman. In the original? In the cartoon, yeah. That okay. same guy. I thought that was Burl Ives. No, Burl Ives is the ice climber oh, guy. Okay. Uh no, Burl Ives is the snowman who's like, silver and gold. Yes. Silver and gold. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, you're right. But and you mean the animated, like the, the boring animated Frosty, not the claymation. Well, the Burl Ives snowman is not Frosty. He's just a snowman. He's just a snowman. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Anyway, Mike Ray was Frosty. Huh? I bet he was Frosty. You got to stay cold or are you, are you going to melt? Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. I, I got you. You know, do you know Wendy's now does a vanilla frosty? I don't care for the chocolate frosty. Taste diet to me has always tasted diet there's, to me. There's an odd element. It's probably just as fattening, but does taste like a like a Weight Watchers yeah. uh, bar. Or it's something. never tasted right to me ever. Yeah, I agree. Uh, anyway, microwave massacre, uh, exploitation, sort of dark comedy horror thing about a guy that can't stand his wife, so he cuts her up and he microwaves her, uh, and then he eats her. And he likes the taste oh. of it. And then he begins. Uh, she blows up in the microwave or he just cooks it? Just cooks her. Okay. And then he begins fucking uh, women that are way out of his league and way hotter than he is. Uh, and then realizes the only way he can be satisfied with sex is if he kills and eats the woman afterwards. Uh, which this sounds much more gruesome than it is. I mean, the body parts in the movie literally look like they stopped at Halloween Adventure on the way to the set and bought like a rubber leg. It's kind of probably. It sounds like uh, like Frank and Hooker. It's very that? much in the vein of that. Okay. So uh, look, if you like that sort of thing, sure. Uh, I've Where said, did you come in contact with it? Well, two great apps that I'm going to save for Joe's scary stuff. Oh, uh, two oh, I think you told me All amazing right. apps that. Uh, right. But but let me get to those in a minute. What else did I see? I saw uh, Wake and Fright, an Seen Australian it? film from 1970, I believe. That's uh, a wild ride. That movie. Yeah, I was banned, I believe, for years. I was talking to somebody uh, about it the other night after a show, uh, somebody that was a big horror fan. Actually, it was uh, one Mr. Simon Rich, who I did a show with, the creator of A Man Seeking Woman. All right. I was speaking to him and his wife, very nice people after the show. They're big horror fans. Yeah. And uh, I said to his wife, I just saw Wake and Fright, and she said, is it a horror movie? And I said, well, it kind of is, but it's not, not by definition. Yeah. But... There are certainly some terrifying shots of like Donald Pleasance with the quarters in his eyes. And, right. Yeah. You know. and, and, you know, you're watching animals mutilated. I think that's why it was banned is that there's animal mutilation. Yeah. And the big there's a, that big statement comes on at the end. That right. It's like it was they didn't mutilate the animals. They were doing it. They were using actual footage. Yeah. Shot by kangaroo hunters so they could show that this was bad, that this was happening or whatever. Right. But uh, uh, did you see the sequel Wake and Bake? No. 
No. How was how was that? What what animals? I mean, that's m- my were favorite. mutilated. A lot of cows because they were eating cheeseburgers. Yep. From the munchies. Yeah. No, I uh, I think I saw it on. It was on Netflix Instant. I, I uh, like Ebert had written about it as like you know people are paralyzed with fear at this thing. It's always when you see that that about a movie from like 1971, you realize that things are a little different. I mean, I don't love watching a, a kangaroo murder, but you know it's also not gonna keep me up night really well yeah and it's not just like that the ca- spoiler alert uh, it's not just that like the kangaroos get shot it's like there's a couple scenes where like well the main character is like he has to kill the kangaroo with his hands yeah and he has to get like close to it and stab it several times right so it's it's disturbing it's a disturbing film i think i also think it's sort of implied that he fucks Donald Pleasance when they're drunk. I got that. I, th- I think more than implied. Yeah, that was a very interesting subplot. Yeah, um, but they don't show it. They just kind of almost show it. It's it's a it's an interesting film. Yeah. Uh, finally, I revisited as I've been meaning to for many years now. Killer clowns from outer space. Uh, I don't know, man. It's fun, I guess, to watch. Um, it's well done for what it is. Uh, the clowns actually look scary, and that bums me out that it's so comical, because the clowns actually are frightening looking, and it's and the the movie itself obviously it's not scary. I mean they're they're blowing people up with like popcorn guns and stuff. I'll tell you, it, it really destroyed me when I was a kid. I I every once in a while I would be like maybe I'm not so much a pussy that I can watch a horror movie, and then I would watch one and be like, nope, I am a pussy. And that one scared you as a kid? Horrified me. Clowns were a big issue for me, and, and and what a perfect transition into what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I know. Well, wait, I still got to do this scary stuff. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. I thought we usually come back to scary stuff. No, we usually do it here. I just always forget to do Go it. Go for it. Listen, real quick, some scary stuff to check out that you'll enjoy quite a bit. Were you a fan of Friday the 13th, the series, if you were? Did I do this one already? Yes. I don't think I did. Yeah, you did. Shit. Did I? Lay off the pipe, Joe. All right. Well, if I did it already, I'm sorry. You, you, you did. Oh, I definitely did? Yeah, 100%. You sure we didn't talk about it after where I said... No, in I the f- last episode, you talked about it at length. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> and I was like, a Friday the 13th show with no Jason? Well, yeah. It, okay. Yeah. All right. Forget it. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, two apps you should go out and check out. Shout Factory now has an app. That I'm excited own. to check out. Uh, and it is totally free. They probably got SCTV and all that. Mystery uh, Science. I haven't delved deep in. So far, I've just perused it for the cult movies, which okay. is where I saw Microwave Massacre, as you asked. Right. Uh, but it is totally free. There's no subscription, nothing. Uh, an app similar that is not th- free, but is just as well worth your time and money. Uh, the uh, Night Flight app. Uh, which is now on apple tv night flight was an old tv show they used to show on like friday nights and it was a variety of things it was it was crazy movies and interviews with musicians or music musical performances and interviews with directors and whatever they have sort of curated all of the content of night flight in and then separated into different categories on the app i think it's only 2.99 a month very well, very well worth it. But they've got a horror movie section. They've got a kung fu movie section. They've got a cult movie section. They've got a sci-fi section. They've got interviews with directors as a section. They've got musical documentary sections. They have a concert, live concerts. It's a fantastic fucking app. All right. And Shout Factory and Night Flight, I believe it's called Night Flight Plus, 
These are two apps that I would say, and I've never said this before, must have oh. for the horror fantasy sci-fi fans out there in our audience. These are, right. these are ones to not skip. And with that, Pat. With that. I'll quit clowning around. Uh-oh. You brought it back. Because I was going to say, in the history of transitions, we, we have really never so seamlessly had one as Killer Clowns into It, and you, you blew it. But I then know. you brought it back with the with the clowning around, folks. Um, yeah, going back, like I, I would see uh, you know Poltergeist because it was PG. But usually I couldn't see horror movies because they were rated R. Um, but when I would see one at a, at a friend's slumber party or whatever it was, they really just chilled me to the bone, and I wouldn't sleep, and I would be scared to take a shower, and I would be scared of you know walking down the hall at night, and just it was always really bad for me, and. I think where that all began would have to be it. I would have been about nine years old, which sounds right. Mm-hmm. It was on CBS. And for some, I guess just because it was on CBS, I was allowed to watch it. But uh, I definitely shouldn't have been. And I watched it again very recently. It's a it's a really terrifying and fairly graphic movie. I have always loved the book. I would I would put it honestly probably in my top 10 books of all time. Stephen King's it. Yeah, it's a great book, and, you know, a lot of us haven't had time to read the book. The book is 1,200 pages. It uh, is. I read it as a kid, and I was getting ready to read it before I, I brushed up on the new one, but I, I haven't yet. Um, let's, let's before we dive into the actual film, let's talk about that three-minute trailer that hit the net this week. See, I think, can I, can I, can yes. I challenge that? I think we should talk about the old version. All right. And then address whether or not that what we've seen of this new version is is All right, fair correcting enough. any of the the uh, grievances with the original. Now, you like the original. You still like it. I, I love I still it. love it. I love it. And I watch it again. And, you know, everybody's grievance with it is the ending. And I don't remember because I read the book when I was probably 12, 13. I don't remember if the book ends this way. I think it does. But essentially, after all this beautifully building tension and suspense it basically becomes a giant spider yeah and i'm not a fan of that it's kind of dumb and yet when i watched it i was kind of like all right i mean it, it was still an effective ending to the movie it felt like you know uh, you can't really overestimate how much stranger things rips off everything but it really rips off it yeah in a really big way right and I guess, you know, in the same way that the, the finale of Stranger Things is kind of like, oh, all right, whatever. That's how I felt about the ending of it. But I didn't I didn't thought it I didn't think it derailed the rest of it. It's it's Stephen. I love Stephen King. I'm a huge fan. Of uh, course. But I think his one flaw uh, is that he he explains too much sometimes. Yes. And that to me is a problem in the story of it, whether it's the book or the movie or whatever, is that. It, it, it bringing it to this sort of literal explanation at the end of what this thing actually is or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that always kind of bummed me. And Stephen King always does. I remember my friend Dan once said, like, Stephen King pulls that move a lot where at the end it's just like, oh, it's just a big spider. Right. You know, or, or whatever. Or uh, I, I, it was from another dimension that opened up. or You know what I mean? Like, I don't always need to know that stuff. Yeah, that and that's also because of how f- effective everything is with the clown. It's just like truly unsatisfying. Like it's so much better if it's 
Honestly, it's better if it's like the ghost of some some fucked up clown from the fifties or something, you know. Yes. But with uh, the what the best aspect of the miniseries, and also I'm kind of upset they don't do miniseries anymore. I think they would be really successful. The first job I had sure. out here in L.A. was at in CBS miniseries. Um, and I started the job, and the guy was like, just so you know, this department is going to be completely eliminated in about two weeks. <laughs> I was like, no way. And it wound up being about four weeks. But in the meantime, I, I wrote like entire scripts at this job because just he was a, like, they're not doing miniseries anymore. It's not happening. Just a rotten business. Yeah. No, it is. So um, I, I miss him, and, and especially... When they were good, because they're, I mean, you know, you look at Roots and all that. I mean, there's amazing miniseries that used to take place, and they the just don't Thorn do it. Birds, Pat. <laughs> Thorn Birds, yes, of course. Yeah. Um, but it, for me, the selling point of it is the direction, which is, I mean, they, they bring it up. This would be a, a hard PG 13, uh, bordering on an R, I would say. And the performances, the performances, not just from Tim Curry, which, will always be the it by which all others are judged. But these kids are fucking great. All the kids are great. Uh, I don't know everybody's names. Uh, but Jonathan you got a, Brandis, of course. You got Jonathan Brandis, who is great. You got Seth Green in there. R.I.P. DSV. Remember yeah. Sequest DSV? Mm-hmm. You got Seth Green in there. That's correct. Yep. Uh, you got the husky blonde-haired kid, who I've seen in a million things, and I don't know his name. Love that kid. Don't know his name either. Yeah. Um, so you got a nice cast of people in there. Uh, uh, I can't remember any, any of the kids' names uh, except for Seth Green and Jonathan Brendis. But they're all great. Um, and then they're played by equally great uh, adult counterparts. You got John Ritter in a dark role, which Love is Ritter. interesting. You've got Harry Anderson in a dark role, which is great. You've got, um, uh, I'm blanking on her name, the lady that's married to Michael McKeon. Uh, Anne Magnuson. Nope. No. Nope. Yep. And and I'm looking it up. It Annette O'Toole. Annette O'Toole. Yep. She's wonderful. She is. You've got and then I don't know the Richard name. Thomas from the Waltons. Yes. You got uh Richard Masser, the president of the Screen Actors Guild. Um it's just a lot of great actors. And in a in what you know, like because of course you want to cast the best actor for the part, but it is one of the few movies to do the thing where you have the kid and then they're adults where you completely buy all of them. Yes. Like, um, you know, for example, there's there's a pilot being shot for CBS where Bobby Moynihan is going to become John Larroquette. That that I don't buy. What do you mean? Bobby Moynihan plays the character at 40. John Larroquette plays him at 65. What yeah, are you talking about? That that's ludicrous. So there's uh, well, what are they going to do? Get a big fat John Larroquette? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know, but I, it's just, just kind kidding. of uh, it's rare that it works uh, because it's it's almost impossible to find a great child actor, but especially one that looks exactly like the adult actor you're going to cast. Well, I'm going to tell you this, Pat. I haven't seen that much of a negligence between uh, the older and younger versions since uh, since that Sweet Love and Mercy film. Oh, love and mercy! Yeah, <laughs> where where Cusack couldn't have even been bothered to dye his hair. I know, uh, I know, let alone gain weight. The fattest years of the guy's life. Yeah, and he just 
Dan- just a yeah. trim fit John Cusack. <laughs> now I love John Cusack, but Dano like compl- and I I'm I'm on the fence about Dano, but he completely channels uh Brian Wilson to the extent where you like you're like, am I watching documentary footage? Yeah, he's great. And then it, it cuts to the modern day of Cusack, and he's like, hey, what's up? I'm Brian Wilson. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if we were older? <laughs> uh, and yet I like the movie. I, I, like I just kind of. I, I like Cusack in it, but it's not. It's not. You're, it, there's, a, there's a big, big, big difference between the Dan. Yeah. One of my favorite things I ever heard in a sitcom uh, writing room, and it's something I use all the time, and I, not just in writing, but also in watching movies, is that somebody will, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, oh my God. I had a stutter when I was a kid, and sometimes it comes back. It's like the movie It. It's like the movie It. This is what happens. That's exactly right. Maybe yeah. It just made that happen. But um, I don't remember who did it. I'd like to give him credit, but I don't remember. But he basically referred to something called the House of Boz. So you'd pitch something, and it was like, what if these two characters bump into each other um, at at the mall? And uh-huh. he's like, let me call the House of Buys. And he calls, and like, you buy it? And he'd be like, they said yes, they buy it. But then it's like, what do you say then? The next day, they bump into each other at the same mall. And he would call the House of Buys and be like, no, we're not buying that one. Right. Um, so when I watch a movie, you know, like, I, I think of that all the time. Because I'm like, that's a stretch. But there are crazy coincidences in life, so I'll buy it. But you don't buy more than one. You don't buy certainly three, four. Sure. And some movies just go like the uh, those Inaratu movies, Twenty One Grams, wherever they, they thrive on those massive uh, coincidences that that are often not a little far. Not a fan of that guy's movies. I like. A, well, I love Babel and I love uh, Amores Peros. But didn't he also do Birdman and The Revenant? Yes, that's correct. Didn't really like Birdman. Thought the performances were great, but didn't enjoy the film. Oh, I dug them both. Uh, and uh, The Revenant, I thought, was just precious in the woods. It was just so long and I dug it. bad thing after bad thing. I was not enjoying it. Um, right. Anyway, back to it. Uh, you know, look, we have to talk uh, in some detail about the greatest performance in the movie. It's Tim Curry as Pennywise the Dancing Clown. And for and- me, I mean, Tim Curry, you look at Clue. You look at uh, Rocky Horror. You look at, to a very lesser extent, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. <laughs> Tim Curry's had a lot of very memorable performances. You look at him. I, I still remember him in the trailer for Congo uh, with an inexplicable accent saying, uh, the myth of the killer ape is true. <laughs> like rolling his R's, but it's also like French. Um, the man is great, but. Uh, whoever thought to cast him as it is a fucking genius and he's amazing. every time he shows up you completely forget that it's tim curry i still do every time i watch it i don't see tim curry you just buy it as like a horrifying demon clown and like he it, plays it seems it- like not even not even a performance it seems like you're watching an actual demon clown he plays it with such nuance yeah it's friendly and he and he's and he's playful and happy and then it cuts to those crazy shots of him with like the fangs and the yellow eyes. Yeah. Uh, and he's kind of funny too. And then you'll be like, Why was I just laughing at this guy? That's not cool. Right, right. It's it's a tour de force performance. It's why the first 
the original DVD I had of the movie, I have since bought the Blu-ray, but the original one, it was cut into halves, so you had to flip the DVD. Right. And on VHS at Blockbuster. Yeah, so the first half of the DVD was my favorite, because that was the kids and uh, and a lot of the Pennywise stuff. I love the scene. I'm looking where- now to see if, it, if he got an Emmy nomination, and the answer seems to be no. The scene where he comes up out of the... Uh, and this is the other cool thing, the effects they use in the original, because this is pre, you know, basically pre-CGI, or at yeah. least before it was readily available. It, so they do a lot of claymation effects and stop-motion things. So like that yes. scene where he comes up in the bathroom showers, and he has to, like, he puts his hands up in the drain and, like, shoves the tiling, f- uh, f- you know, aside so he can come up. It's like this weird claymation, like... Yeah, uh, what's his face? Harry uh, Housen. Harry, what's that guy's name? Ray Harry Housen. Yeah, uh, it's 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 just it just makes it a lot creepier for some reason. Uh, yeah, I uh, I love the film. Uh, you know, there are many people that say uh, it doesn't hold up, and those are the people I think that are probably most excited about this new version coming out um, sometime this year. Uh, I know I was excited about the new version coming out because I always want more of a thing I love. Uh, and I love the original It. Um, but I also... Uh, oh, by the way, there's a great audio book of it that Steven Weber reads. That's, that's what I'm listening to now. I'm, I'm listening I, to it right now. Yeah. I listen to it when I go to bed at night. and It's fun to go to sleep to, but then yeah. when you wake up to it in the middle of the night, it's creepy. I love Steven Weber. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I think a lot of people are excited for this It remake for different reasons, and at long last, they released the trailer. Now, I got to say this. Right off the bat, before I even saw the trailer, you know, my skepticism was running pretty hard and high uh, because God bless Bill Skarsgård. He's a great actor. He's too damn young to what play is he from? Pennywise. He's just on different TV shows and stuff, but he's... He's Stellan's Scar, Scar, I think it's Skarsgård. It, he's his kid. Yeah. And Stellan, I was talking to my buddy the other day, and he goes, Stellan Skarsgård should have played Pennywise. Yep. You know, like, get somebody like that, like, with some character in their face and some age. Well, we were talking, I mean, I like, I, and we talked about it at work a bunch the other day, like, Buscemi seems perfect. Right. Maybe too on the nose. Michael Shannon to me seems very interesting. Right. Sam Rockwell, I think, could have done it. But I I love Sam Rockwell. He's I think he's too Sam Rockwell. Though. Maybe so. But when that when they talked about what about a Giamatti? Now Gia, Giamatti, that's <laughs> right in that Curry wheelhouse. That would have been fucking him. That's a great call, Jim. But I just don't. I'm looking up Skarsgård now. I gotta say, I don't like it being a kid. It wasn't a kid in the book, so I don't know why they went there. He's like 25. Yeah, you asked me, uh, um, you know, what I would think about uh, Tim Curry playing it now. Like, if he didn't have the stroke, would they have asked Tim Curry to play it now? Right. They wouldn't have because everything has to be new in movies. Everything has to be different. It 2.0 or whatever. But I, I thought the trailer was cool, and we'll talk about it. But for me... When I heard that it was going to be two two-hour movies from the creator of True, or director of True Detective, Fukunawa, I was like, "This is going to be one of the highlights of my year." Yes, I could not fucking wait. Um, somebody sent me the script, and I was like, "I don't want to read it." It's written by Fukunawa and some other guy. I was like, "I, I just want to go in cold. I'm excited." 
And then what I heard is that Fukunawa wanted to do a very hard R version, including the very uncomfortable pedophilia sequence from the book. What is that sequence? Because I've not gotten to that part yet. Is it the girl, the little girl's dad abuses her, I assume? I mean, I look, I'm, I'm going through the audiobook now myself, and it's extremely long. I seem to remember like a lot of kids having an orgy almost. Oh well, the she she fucks them all. She sleeps. She has sex with. I th- I think it's sex. She has sex with each one of the boys because they discover they have to have a bond, right? As a group, and right. they figure out that that's the way to have the bond. So she has sex with each one of them individually. Yeah, uh, and then also the bullies, I think, blow each other, okay. which is a great fucking detail. Yeah, that these kids are latent homosexuals and don't know how to deal with it because they're in this like right. one horse closed minded town. And now they're they act like assholes because of it. Yeah. My favorite thing about Stephen King and, you know, it was during his very coked out period as well as many of his books are. But my favorite thing about Stephen King is not, you know, one of many is his portrayal of bullies because bullies in movies are they'll like, you know, push you down and take your lunch or whatever. A Stephen King bully will pull, put a knife in, like not not hold it to your throat, like puncture your stomach with a with a knife. Right. You know, but that to me is is from my experience what bullies are like. They always they, have a switchblade. Yeah. No, no limits. You know, like truly terrifying, and they don't care. They they truly don't care because they it's usually because their parents. But like they'd be fine dying. The, my biggest bully, you know when I was younger, held me down on my first day of first grade, sat on my chest and fed me worms and then forced me to swallow these worms. Right. Um, Among many other things. I had a bully my first day of kindergarten. I was wearing short shorts. He punctured my upper thigh with a knife. He threw me in the bus next to him. Yeah. Pushed me against the window of the bus and the entire ride to school twisted a piece of broken glass, excuse me, broken mirror into my upper thigh until he drew blood. I never told anyone about it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I I had a bully uh, when I was in seventh grade. He was in eighth grade. Yeah, uh, Greg Murdoch. I mean, if that's not a great bully name, sure. But yeah, he used to uh, threaten to smash my face in with a metal folding chair. Yeah, uh, to the point where he would swing it and bring it an inch from my face and tell yeah. me almost lustfully how bad he wanted to do it. Yeah, like that that element of like true horror is never in portrayals of bullies in in books movies except with stephen king who was clearly bullied obviously but um was a bully yeah maybe jury's out (laughs) but you know it does it stand by me does it etc but um that's that is a great detail that i even forgot that the bullies blow each other in the book But um, I try to have high hopes, but when I heard that they were replacing Fukunama with the guy who did Mama, maybe because it sounds like Fukunama, I don't know. I couldn't get through the film Mama. I thought it sucked. Mama sucked. And I was... to think that this guy is the guy to pin your massive franchise on is crazy to me. Well, now Stephen King has given it a thumbs up. All right. But look, Stephen King is what? 70 he's got to be 70 right yeah he's 70 70 or he's still 70s. great on twitter i'll tell you that he's great he's still great yeah he doesn't have quite the angst he had during his coke phase right he's not running around screaming uh you know that uh uh 
that Stanley Kubrick fucked my book up and right. you know he's not that guy anymore. Right. He gives a lot of thumbs up to things that are done, uh, you know, that are adapted from his work. So I'm not saying I doubt the man, but uh, I also don't think he's as hard a, a critic as he was, which is fine. Um, but he did give it a thumbs up. He said fans have nothing to worry about. Uh, I don't like that they cast again the young kid as Pennywise. I don't like that. So far, what I have seen in the trailer and in the still pictures, that the that Pennywise always just looks sinister. Now that might be different in the movie. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh, so I hope that that's the case. Um, I don't like that. Uh, literally, a kid from Stranger Things is in it. Right. Well, that was a, that was a given. Um. And we reached out to fans to hear what you guys thought, and uh, a bunch of you DM'd me. Well, let me ask you first. Maybe yeah. you know because I don't. I I still have the script on my on my laptop, but I was wondering if they're still. They, apparently, now the plan is if it is a hit, then they're going to make the second one, but only if it's a hit. So w- they're going to tell half a story. Are they only telling the kids' side and not telling the adult side? What what's happening? Well, don't forget. Well, I, I think that's an easy thing to do because don't forget that it, the kids do think they defeat it. Yeah, that's true. So I'm assuming that the first movie will be the kids and the second movie will be the adults. I like that. That's I not, like that's it too. Not how it was done in the miniseries, but okay. I don't. I don't have a problem with that at all. Uh, that's fine with me. I think that's that. That's a good type of storytelling for. And I guess they haven't cast the adults, right? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I haven't heard peep. Yeah. About one adult being cast. Uh, so, I, I'm assuming they're not even in the movie. Um, the, uh, the 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 main problem I had with the trailer. Trailer. It looks fine. It doesn't look bad. The main problem I had was that uh, there's too many jump scares. It's not. It's not a jump scare kind of thing. Yeah. It's a creepy. We're also selling a movie. I mean, that doesn't mean that's the movie. I hope not. Yeah, I hope not. But it is not, you know, and, and neither was the original adaptation. Uh, it's not a jump scare kind of thing. It's not the conjuring. It's a very different, very unsettling thing. You know, it's it's a lot to do with shame and yeah, and the the dirty secrets people have and all these things. And it's not about a clown jumping out and startling you. Is it so, rated R at least? I, I hope. Think it is. Um. Mm. Brian Jepson writes, the kids look about perfect. I I do agree that the kids do look pretty much how they're described in the book. Yeah. The casting looks solid. Don't like the moving towards you fast and shaky shot of Pennywise. Yeah, that to me felt very, again, like Conjuring-esque. My, my thinking, like, and here's why I'm I'm an idiot. I'm I'm thinking, okay... They know how much everyone loves it and has loved it for years, either the book or the movie. Surely they wouldn't rush this into production and fuck it up. However, you look at Poltergeist. That, to me, as I was driving to Poltergeist a year, two years ago, whatever, Poltergeist is one of my favorite movies, horror or otherwise, ever made. And I'm driving there, and I just felt in my stomach like, no, it's not going to be right. And that had Rockwell, and I was like, you know, I'm going to go in. I feel good. Sam Raimi's involved. I mean, that movie was like 89 minutes or something. It was terrible. They just It just seemed tossed off and pathetic. And there's a there's an element of it 
that I feel I feel very prepared for it to be that same feeling. But I'd like to think that it's not. I, 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 you know, look, it's the curse of a book adaptation. I think people that aren't that familiar with the book will probably get a pretty satisfying, scary film. And I think the people that are familiar with the book will say this. You know, somebody said on Twitter, it might be in these DMs here, I can't remember, but somebody wrote to me, it it looks more like a remake of the TV movie. I agree. Versus an adaptation of the book. And I that's what I thought, too. Uh, Clive Baxter says, uh, not a fan of Mama or any horror movie with noticeable CGI, but this looks promising. Uh, okay. I, promising, I, sure. I'll give it that. Paul Roseberry writes, the It trailer looks sick, definitely brings out the chills, uh, or brings on the chills, but seems to intentionally keep a clear look at Pennywise hidden. I agree. Given that the reveal better be his scariest look yet otherwise bullshit all the way um, yeah i mean every uh every shot of him he's like got you know his face is obscured every every still online his face is obscured but, uh you know i just read on the, in the trivia section here on imdb that curry was like i'd like to play this part but i played that devil in legend He's awesome in that. He is awesome in that. But he's like, the fucking makeup on that movie, it, it ruined my life. I never, I never want to do that again. He's like, would you just trust me, slap a little clown makeup on me, and let me be scary on my own? Hopefully that's the kind of thing they're doing here. I don't know. The uh, MCT2 Esquire strikes me as odd that Pennywise didn't talk in the trailer. Room for an interesting choice from whomever the actor is playing him. I I disagree i'm not surprised he didn't talk they're they're clearly they're clearly waiting they're clearly yeah. trying to parcel out and i am excited uh to see what he does sound like because i mean to me that's when the character is going to come to life or not uh i'll tell you how he's gonna sound like like every other demonic clown <laughs> like we all float it's gonna be the same shit all right well yeah that's a good point like how every joker sounds the same etc uh, Carla O writes, Pennywise looks scary as fuck. Looking forward to it. Did the trailer change your expectations for this movie? Uh, it did. It did. I'm not as excited as I was because of, for the reasons I've already said, I don't need to reiterate. What do you, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, what I kind of responded to was, was were the shots of the town at the beginning because I felt like that was at least showing a nice sense of, of place. You know, like at least they're, they're taking a little time. You know, they have the, the the little movie theater and that kind of stuff. I was like, all right, all right. They're not setting it in New York or what they always do with these reboots. And they're not setting it in modern day, which I like. Yeah, I mean, when the kid hits his head on the uh, on the thing, I was like, all right. But what worried me about that is that so Georgie's running down the street and then he hits his head and slips and falls. I was like. This is a shot-for-shot shot remake of the opening of the miniseries, and they were probably like, oh, "We should let's just have him hit his head, make it a little different. Right. Because that's what it is. I mean, it's it's every shot is the same, and then when he hit his head, I almost jumped because I was like, oh, that was something that was slightly different. Right. Yeah, that's what uh, Cassie says here. Laughed out loud when the kid hit his head on the sign. Uh, overall, yeah. looks promising. Definitely not as scary as the original, but still creepy. I really hope it's not all jump scares, which we we also said. The kid at the end of the trailer was creepy as fuck, though. 
Yeah, uh, we all you'll float too. You'll float I don't too. agree with that. That to me felt like that felt like a six year old kid going, you'll float. Too. I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm scared of this fucking kid. It wasn't. Yeah, I've seen way, way from. I mean, you look at the girl in, in the Ouija origin of evil movie. She's fucking creepy, man. Yeah. I've seen way creepier kids. Yeah. Uh, and way more convincingly frightening kids. Uh, I, I, I didn't buy that kid in that scene. Uh, and that's it. Those are your thoughts on it. And Pat, that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, give out whatever info you want to give right now. Folks, I'm still just doing my thing. I don't really have any plugs for you. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Patrick Walsh. Um, I, that's all I got. I, I, I urge you to check out the miniseries because I think it is a very... You know, just a really just a nice version of it in a weird way. Like it's just kind of like the they put the care into it. You know, they took their time with it, and I that's my only concern. Who am I to say that? You know, you watch two, three minutes of a movie. What do you know? But um, the concern is very real. I I'd be happy with a movie as effective as the original. I'll say that. And the original left out all the stuff we're talking about, like the the kids having sex and the yeah. jobs and all that. Yeah. Yeah, the big the biggest thing that the original left out was the was the gay bashing and stuff because the yeah. the appearance of it is directly cor- directly correlates with these violent events that are happening in the town. Yeah. Um so I I hope that that is a theme. It sounded like that's what the original director wanted to focus more on. He wanted to focus on what the background of the, this this worries me actually. Sorry, and I said we were done. But the original director said I wanted to give these characters stories. There had to be what who were they? What were their experiences before this clown appears to so we can justify why they're scared of this thing and why this right. is happening. And he said, and of course the studio just said, we don't give a shit about that. Yep. Slap some generic characters up there and like let's make it a scary movie. So that concerns me because the move the book itself is very 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 much about your background and what you're dealing with in your life yeah. personally. And this guy, I mean, he is, he has a history of kind of walking off a lot of things. He walked off the second season. He walked off a lot of things, but his complaints about it all sounded like, how do you not know that that's what horror fans and Stephen King fans want? Right. Is for somebody to really dig in. And cause if you're not going to do that and you're just going to churn out the same shit, we've seen it. Right. Um, so I'm concerned. I, I feel like this is probably not going to be our dream version of it. But if it's if it's as effective as the original, great. Fair enough. Uh, I'm at Joe DeRosa Comedy on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and as always, please go give me some nice reviews to help me bring that <laughs> the average rating of my albums up uh, because of the trolls. Uh and this comes out next week. Oh, uh, I, when this drops, I will. I am in Australia right now for the Melbourne Comedy Festival. So if you're around, come say hello. Come see a show. Good day, mate. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>